0: Welcome to another episode of the music guy podcast this is episode number 44 my name's al i'm a music guy i sing i write songs i make records i play live shows i play guitar i teach do a bunch of music stuff um broadcasting to you from liberty village here in toronto my partner in crime uh, coming at you from Whitby, Ontario. Woo! He's a songwriter, uh, educator, guitarist, backup Woo! vocalist, recording uh, person. Person who needs another work. music guy. It's Mr. Michael Hebs.
1: What up? I sound so <laughs> <It's> enthusiastic. <like>, what <laughs> up?
0: How's uh? How's your week? How's your week been?
1: Uh, I had a gig on the weekend. That was cool. I have a gig this Sweet. weekend, um, and I mean, bear nice. in mind for those of you listening in the future um, that there are no gigs <laughs> now, so that's yeah. a rare thing for us at this point.
0: What gig did you play last weekend?
1: I don't know what it was called. It was in Barrie. Uh, it was a drive-in show, of course, and uh, it was pretty good. Thought it was thought it was fine.
0: And... Um and this weekend we're on the same thing this weekend, aren't yes, we? Sir, you're doing sound. I'm doing sound. Oh yeah.
1: You're a sound I haven't fan. got the chance
0: to do sound in a while. We're playing uh for our good friend Chris Barclay. Who Barks. Hopefully we're gonna get on this podcast at some point. Some point. He'll make it. Is that also a drive in gig? I don't really actually know. I don't know.
1: You know what? Come to think of it, I'm actually kind of concerned because really the setup the other years was not Drive in gig, like kosher. You know what I mean? There's no way to put oh, cars yeah. where it was. So it yeah, better be a drive in gig.
0: Yeah. I wonder if they're going to limit the uh, attendance because I did a show last weekend at the London Music Hall with Genevieve Fisher. Yeah. And it was a benefit for Beirut, oh, Lebanon, shit. for the uh, the disaster that happened there. What happened and in Lebanon? I'm ignorant. There was an explosion oh yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah a little bit ago at a at a factory um and uh did some serious damage over there so they were having a benefit concert at london music hall which is kind of like uh, have you ever played there no no it's a little bit like I, I don't know it's about the size of maybe the opera house probably a little bit smaller than that if we're oh, thinking of a yeah, venue played there um yeah but anyways, that, that's kind of the vibe. That's that's kind of the size of it. And uh, they did like 50 tickets, I think, were sold. That was it. I'm sure the capacity is far, far greater than that. Yeah. Like, I bet you'd get, you know, you get a three to five hundred people in there maybe i don't know i yeah, don't know what like max that. capacity is but it's 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 yeah and so they had boxed off the areas and put like two chairs together and a box around wow. tape a box around them uh and they were all separated you had to wear masks at all times unless you were seated or like even for us we had to wear masks unless we were on stage or oh, whatever. okay i was about to say yes yeah. so yeah yeah got a portable so, windscreen so that's a, yeah pop ultimate pop filter um so that's one of the ways that shows are going down and then i guess the other way is yeah the drive-in concert so i played with um leah daniels nicole ray alessia cole and brie taylor did a four setter with the boys yeah on uh for, for for those four different artists last weekend at harmonia fest in the house band milton yeah well house band gig And that was a drive-in show, so they didn't have, I don't know what they had at yours, but they didn't have a front-of-house PA at ours. Yeah, I heard that they were
1: doing the AM transmitter, which, I mean, if you had your window shut would be kind of cool. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, mix, because, I don't know, it'd be different. Uh, They had a PA at ours, and I just, uh, i was the first time that I've used direct-in only live in, like, uh, mm. like, an outdoor thing, and, like, it was definitely different. It was a different, like, I almost feel like a, a lot of the fullness got lost just in the way that I mixed it. So that's a lesson for next time, but I feel like over AM, that wouldn't be the problem, you know? Because the mic would be right up there and it'd be in their car, you know?
0: Right. Well, I mean, if you trust your sound engineer for front yes. of house they can they can make your guitar sound solid i would think if it sounds like good coming out of that box he just it just feels it. weird because you're used to having an amp on stage i'm yes. sure it was fine
1: yes yeah i mean i think it, it was how i mixed it though you know like i think there's a mm-hmm. learning curve for sure you know uh, yeah I well we were just talking about end. before we
0: started recording i picked up the michael Britt preset pack for the hx stomp last week or the week before in preparation yeah. for this show and it's dope man 20 bucks like yeah it seems like everybody just does there. that
1: they get helix and i guess they get so the Michael um
0: yeah I just replace all the nonsense presets that are on there with like the crazy effects here's all the wacky stuff we can yeah. do with this thing yeah, yeah and yeah. to just like here's what it you know your vox your fender your uh your Mesa boogie and your marshall and like different sort of variations of those. And they sound dope, man. And there's some impulse responses that come with it. Um, and then I was just able to copy the presets that I like. There's a few that I don't really like, but that's yeah, going to happen of, with anything. I right? wonder if on find a different
1: and, guitar that you'd like them though. That's another that's thing, thing as well. People were yeah. complaining about and, that they're like oh the helix doesn't sound good on these patches it's like well they're they're like there's a bajillion guitars that you could be using it with
0: absolutely yeah yeah and some of the presets that come with it are actually designed to go at the end of your pedal board oh so he's okay. actually worked yeah. out you know here's here's some presets for folks that are still wanting to rock a pedal board into this thing because a lot of people do that especially yeah. with the stomp because it's super small and doesn't have a total whole lot of functionality right on the face of it yeah uh, with only the three buttons but with the snapshots and stuff have you have you used snapshots at all on that thing
1: i was using stomp mode so like the difference between uh to my knowledge stomp mode and snapshot mode stomp mode is like kind of like a pedal board It's like an extra pedal board that you have, and you sort of have your your row of, like, six pedals or whatever, and you can assign Mm -hmm. a few buttons to turn off and on those pedals. But stomp mode is you can assign a button to do multiple things. But also, sorry, uh, snapshot mode is you can assign a button to do multiple things. But also, too, you can do that with stomp mode, so I don't know the difference. like Because I set it up so, you know, if I wanted a solo boost, I'd get more compression and I'd get more drive and volume Mm -hmm. like three separate things from one button which i thought was really neat um
0: yeah you they kind of you could do the same things with both um it's just what it's just how you want to get there but it's like just imagine you're um so you've got your basic tone right and your solo tone you want to turn your like your volume up add a compressor and maybe like at, um, turn your reverb down or something. So this tone yeah. sounds like a little bit tighter. So you do all set all your settings that way. Save that to snapshot two. And now you can just flip between those. So it's a little bit faster than I found than like assigning each button to multiple yes. tasks and, and setting see. a bunch of parameters. Yay. It's just a little bit less yeah. menu diving. It's like, here's what I want it to look like when I'm soloing. Save. And then you go back. And I see you know, so yeah, yeah. I, I started using that for the first time and I, I found it super uh, helpful. And, 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 the, and within those presets, they've already got snapshots pre-programmed and stuff. So I just copied yeah. from the presets that I liked and that sounded like closest to what I was going for for that particular song. And then if I needed like a tremolo or or an extra delay or you something, just put I it would on just, there. I would put it on there yeah. at the expense of. Maybe uh, a distortion, layer of distortion that I wasn't going to need or like a reverb that I wasn't going to need or something. The problem is is that there's not enough blocks sometimes to do like all the things you want to do because yes. the, uh, the impulse response takes up an extra space. See, so, that's
1: the thing that bums me out because I'm yeah. rocking an analog compressor with it. So that takes mm-hmm. up a space. The effects loop is the, what I run the analog compressor through and, oh, then, yeah. uh, and then the... whatchamacallit will take up a space as well too i mean i kind of want to just i'm not going to sell my amp but i I was very tempted to just sell my amp get the rack and actually just always have a rack going you know Mm -hmm. but uh i I, there's a benefit keeping an amp as well too you know if i do a studio session and they're like oh bring an amp i'd be like i don't have one it's not gonna be good for yeah but they
0: probably have amps True, this is true. How many studios have amps? But this is like a specialty
1: amp, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, yeah, yeah, it's not worth having like a fucking Fender Deluxe at this point because everybody has them, but
0: nobody has a fucking
1: Sir Badger. I just got new tubes in it, actually, and it sounds way different, I don't know know if I like it. Yeah,
0: Will was telling me. Yeah.
1: Uh, But, uh, you know, these are the things that stress me out when, you know, I'm not playing gigs (laughs) anyways, so.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I guess let's, um, let's, let's get into maybe our question of the week here, ah. uh, just to kick things off. Um, how so we're big taking is a question- your penis? That's rude, Rich. <laughs> yeah. Well, not very that, big is my answer. Yeah. I um, was going to say, this might be a question for you. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> Mine would be half small. I think it would be the, yeah. the way they would want to start yeah that one disappointing um, is the answer right yeah not what you expected
1: <laughs> i mean it's just what you expected not, not what you, you were have hoping for horrible opinion of me <laughs>
0: um so we're taking questions questions every week uh we want to take your questions so send us questions at musicguypodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook page or connect with us on social media, on Instagram and DM us or whatever. However you want to get in touch with us, ask a question. We would love to feature it on the show. And yeah, our question this week uh, is actually one we missed from our Q&A episode last week. This is from Rich Silva, friend of the show, great drummer, great musician, producer, who's actually uh, the producer for the podcast Big Moves ah, Podcast yes. hosted by our friend Devin Potter who was on the show uh, a few episodes back. I feel us, like anyways. if I was
1: on that show because it's all about like moving to a place and right, like making a change in that sense.
0: Yeah like moving to a new country or a new province or whatever yeah.
1: i I couldn't even like contribute anything that way but even in like life I don't make any big moves in life it's just very slow. <laughs> My, my, my career progression is just like, uh,
0: uh, big ships turn slow, man.
1: That's exactly it. I'm fucking hoping to be a big ship with a small dick.
0: (laughs) I think we, (laughs) small anchor. Um, I I think we all have like pretty good travel stories though, as you know, musicians on the road. But yeah, I, I, I've never, you know, relocated from the toronto area to anywhere else uh in a big way but anyways the podcast is dope if uh, folks are listening for a new podcast i've checked out uh the first episode and i really enjoyed it so uh they're they're short they're very well paced uh not like ours where we just ramble on yeah
1: yeah it's clearly very uh, intentional
0: and yeah and devon uh in her her super organized fashion is uh super organized and then the it's a great show as a result it's got a good flow to it and it's fun to listen to so check out the big moves podcast produced by our friend rich De silva who asks what uh oh now i don't have the question in front of me see this
1: this is why this is, this is what i'm
0: talking about here yeah, this, this is, is why is ta- we're, is we're both
1: unsuccessful about. people
0: yeah this is exactly what i'm talking about what is your method for learning songs quickly Go? That's
1: a good question. As quickly uh, as you can. Yeah, uh, as quick as I can. Um, so <laughs> for me, learning songs quickly is all about uh, it. Depend- There's two situations learning songs quickly, like easily. I have to have tons of time. So if I can listen in the car and just kind of like have it on in the background and all that shit, and I don't actually have to actively do anything, I can learn it super quick. You know, I can can listen Mm. to the car. If I get a set list two weeks before, have all the things on a playlist, each time I'm in the car, I'll listen to it. And then when I go to learn the song, it's like I play through it once or twice. But that's not always the case. Uh, If I get a set list, you know, four days before rehearsal um or you know i don't know just like a set list for a big set list learning songs quick uh i don't really have a way i'm not a very quick tune learner um Hmm. so tell me what you got depends on like lead lines and shit how do you learn yeah lead lead lines
0: are are that is tough um it's interesting that you're talking about like um not so much like super quickly Learning songs, but um, time management, like time efficiency, like we spend hours and hours in the car when we're gigging, driving from place to place, have that playlist made ahead of time and start internalizing uh, how the song goes. So, I mean, if we're talking about country and pop songs, which I think is what we're talking about, uh, because if we're talking about prog. You know, metal tunes or like yeah fuck classical that. songs or you know, whatever that, that that's not something that's gonna come quickly. But if we're talking about pop and and country kind of stuff, then number one is uh for us, you know, harmonic players, not percussionists and drummers, uh it's it's gotta be your Nashville numbers, man. You gotta have those sure figured out, right? And so we're talking about in your diatonic sort of major scale, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Do. Each one of those gets a number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then one again. Uh, And then each one of those numbers has a chord that goes with it. Uh, And without getting too deep into all this theory stuff, there's lots of sort of resources for this online. Um, If you can recognize, you know, which chords are happening at what time, and as you play more songs, your, your ear will get more effective at doing that. Um, then it gets real easy to pick up songs quickly. Yeah. Uh, And then because most songs in pop and country repeat sections quite a bit, like usually the verse is going to be, uh, a single chord progression repeated bar after bar after bar, like, you know, one, four, five, or just one, four, maybe, or whatever, six, four, one, five, or these are all common sort of chord progressions. Um, then you can start to pick those up quickly. So if you have your national numbers figured out, that's sort of step one. Um, and then for me, it's um, actually like active listening. I need to be focused. Yeah. Not even necessarily have my instrument in my hands. That's important for but sure. But also, I'm, you know, not not be driving, not be um, whatever. This is just personally for me. Uh, like I need to be at home in a quiet environment and I need to close my eyes and listen through the song and really force myself to not start immediately playing over it because that's when I miss details. Um, so like actually actively listening and sort of figuring out what is going on. Uh, and then after I've done that a couple of times, I should have the chord progression of the song mapped out of my head. So then I'll go through it uh, once or twice with the guitar, depending on, how difficult and complex it is and then once i feel like i've got that down uh i go to the the background vocals and for me because i sing so much backups i find that that helps tie together the song for me sure uh, and keep me grounded to the song and not get as confused song to song where it's like oh is that one four five or four five one or six you know because a lot of songs just get become kind of the same, but just in different keys or whatever. And there's similar tempos and similar grooves and stuff. And it can get confusing if you're thinking in numbers. So I find the singing backups helps me with that. If you're not a backup singer yourself, you could just sort of, uh, at least sing along with some of the lyrics off mic. looks good on stage too. When like players are, are kind of singing along. Uh, so you'll see people do that, but it's also a great way to just remember, uh how the song goes and you could even be kind of secretly practicing a harmony part or something too and to get that kind of going even if you're not so one of the, the, the players in the band that they that hopefully call that's you yeah even even if you're not like you know expected to do that kind of stuff that that could be like a way for you to remember how the song goes and develop that muscle a little bit i um, so one of the things so.
1: this is all for like like low resolution stuff wish, yeah. right? Except for lyrics. To be honest, I can't me- memorize lyrics to save my life. With backups, do you sometimes, not like you know, you get most of the lyrics and then c- certain words you mess up but they're <laughs> close enough that, you know, no one's going to tell or you know, it, I'm talking yeah, about this is mean, late notice, like you have to learn a boatload of tunes.
0: I mean, you 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 know, we've talked about this before, it's all about expectations and Um, if you get the set list the day before, then, you know, there are certain expectations that I think are unreasonable for people to have of you. Like, are you going to catch every single harmony? Probably not. Um, right. But as a guy who sings a lot of backups, um, yeah, I mean, one thing that you should look to do is actually articulate less when you're singing backups. Mm -hmm. It's like pronunciation becomes... Far less important when you're singing backups, because even if you have the lyrics correct, um, your T's and your hard C's and like consonants are going to sort of flam against. Sure. The lead singers, even if you have the the words right, because you don't know exactly how they're going to, you know, if this is a band you've rehearsed once in the shows tomorrow or, you know what I mean? Or like you didn't rehearse at all, like we didn't get a chance to rehearse before the harmonia, the harmonia festival, festival is just too festival. complicated right now with the social distancing and stuff. It's like, it's too hard to get people in a room in a safe way and, and whatever. So, um, so it was just like, I know what the lyrics are, but I'm going to say words kind of softly in a consonant sense. Um, sure. so that I don't, and then, yeah, if I mess up a lyric, it's like, I can kind of just flub, uh, <laughs> into the right word. Whereas if yeah. I'm like really hard, pronunciating everything it's gonna be really obvious if I mess up a, a lyric yeah. I'm trying yeah. to blend with the lead yeah. singer I'm not trying yeah. to so yeah I think softening your s's your T's your your uh, C's and K's and p's and all that stuff is 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 a nice thing to do anyways and yeah it helps with that for sure it's a nice touch um, yeah
1: well cool I mean that's and the, then, the high resolution stuff so a whole different ball game I feel like that's time in. Uh, like I Yeah, mean, you I'm, just have to I have a method of charting um that I like for like for like lead players. So I use mm-hmm. a uh it's not mono width, that's not a thing. Oh gosh. It's a fixed width font. Um so uh Oh the, yeah, like,
0: like courier. Yeah, because, like, the issue is if yeah, you're yeah. writing
1: beneath stuff, if they're, like, shots, and you don't want to write, like, physical sheet music, I write, like, yeah. the count, like, like one, two, three, four, and then I just write where the yeah. chords fit into that. Um, and then for... Um, For melodies, Mm -hmm. if I know the gist of the melody, or if if I get the first two notes and then I'll know it, then what I'll do is I'll write out physical numbers. So I write Roman numerals for the chords, which I know a lot of people don't do. They write numbers for the chords. I -hmm. write Roman numerals for the chords because I kind of learned music theory in a classical way. I, like, self-taught it because I didn't have anybody to teach it to me. Um, Yep. And uh, I, I do Roman numerals for the chords. And then for the melodies, I do numbers. And if it's above, like, so say, for instance, if the melody starts, you know, on the five below the one, I'll do negative five going up to one. And then if it's ascending, I'll keep going one, two, three. Um, And that sort of idea like that, that sort of gets me by most of the time. But if it's a really hard melody and I have to do charts, uh, I'll actually write a piece. I'll write music on like something like MuseScore. MuseScore is like a free version of Sibelius pretty much. Uh, I'll screenshot that and then I'll edit that into the, the like the, the chart. So the chart is mostly a text document, but it has a picture thing as well. And then that way I'm not using, you know, Sibelius for the whole thing or MuseScore just cause mm-hmm. it's, it's a pain in the ass to program all that shit in. Do you like, I just
0: how, how long it, does it take you to write out a chart? I don't chart. Yeah, you were saying you don't. I just uh, don't. I find it so cumbersome. I hate charting. I hate reading charts. I mean, I'll do it. Like, yeah. if I have to write a chart, um, my go-to app now is um, One Chart. Yeah, the number one using that. And chart for but the that's uh, for, uh, for the iPad. Uh, Apple things, right? Yeah, I have an iPad, and yeah, fuck and you. I've had to use it for certain things, and it's it's really great because you can. Um, you know, if everybody's using it, then you can sort of send charts sure, to yeah. each other and, and whatever. And it's really clean and, and laid out really well. But um, so I find that useful for discrepancies. So, for example, when we we're learning like four sets of music for this festival last weekend, as I'm going through the tunes, if there's um, a moment where it's like, that sounds like a five chord sounds like the bass is playing a three underneath it sure though on the record and like is it supposed to be three minor one instrument on the record sounds like it might be playing three minor and the other sounds like it might be playing five and then it's just like okay i'm gonna look at mark's chart that he sent sure and if 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 he's playing a three you know then i have to decide like Am I going to go with the five, which is probably going to sound weird live, or do I just play the three minor or whatever, sure, and yeah, then yeah. make a decision? So I find it useful for that, for that, but I hate reading, and I hate, like, I, I just find I lose my connection to the song. A hundred percent,
1: yeah. It's a bummer when I have to, but it's like, uh, I just, I don't learn songs quick. <laughs> Oddly enough, though, so I was, I, I've played with this one guy a few times, he does like the Nashville thing, and he mm-hmm. he doesn't send a set list. Just calls tunes and you follow along.
0: Oh yeah, that's.
1: Um, I mean, that's that's a I very jammy. I actually do better gig. on that on that than short notice yeah. for gigs. I
0: like well, because you're in, yeah because you're in the fire and your instincts are you yeah. gotta trust yourself you gotta trust your ears. I just you know what drives me nuts, and I'm sure I've talked about this before, is when um, you're on a gig and people are reading charts and somebody plays a wrong note and they stick with and, it and and they just look at everybody like what I'm reading the chart this is what it says on my chart and it's like yeah but like you're not paying attention to what's going on like the singer yeah. maybe the singer dropped a bar or something and we have to move yeah, yeah, on yeah. to the next section it's like you got to keep your head up man like it's not yep. about ba- and and so i mean that kind of drives me bonkers and then also it's like um you know just if I'm reading a chart and I get lost or something, or I like yep. miss a line and then I start freaking out. It's like, I don't know where I am. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your ears. I, I find it more helpful. And I, I've talked about this before, but it's like comp, um, like information bottleneck or like compartmentalization of, of information where if I've learned the song and the whole song is one, four, five, except for, the pre-chorus oh, goes yeah, the to green two light,
1: red light yellow. yeah the light green thing, light yeah. red light
0: kind of thing and I, yeah. I i still don't have a great way of explaining this but i heard somebody talking about a uh information bottleneck um uh what am i trying to say a concept the concept of an information bottleneck uh, this is actually on a magic podcast but anyways different kind of thing but magic the card if, game
1: you're not a fucking close-up magician no, God no! Um, no. I love it. so That's a God no. No, I play card
0: games. I I, yeah. I don't. <laughs> not, not good with sleight of hand. I, um, I agree
1: with you that it's worse to be a fucking magician than it is to play fucking card games.
0: Well, I mean, it's super. Magicians are super cool, but uh, that'd be a tough gig. I feel um, like
1: that's not true.
0: You haven't? Have you ever been to a live magic show? Like, I'm magic, sure. Have you ever cool seen a ma-
1: magician when they're doing a magic show? But other yeah. than that, they're not yeah. as people. Sure.
0: I mean, neither am I. True that. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm I not mean, saying I'm mean, cool. I'm just yeah, saying musicians are st- so cool. Like Statistically, no, we're not. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. um, but anyway, so information bottleneck. Like, so if the whole song is one four five, and um, it goes to a two in the pre-chorus, then the only thing I have to remember is that it goes to a two in the pre-chorus. Does that make sense? Sure, like, yeah. Once yeah, enough yeah. if enough stuff is the same, then you just catalog that in your brain as like, okay, the I need whole to do thing that. is this. Yeah. except for this. And then the only thing I have to remember is that. So it it's, takes a it, leap
1: of faith it, for me.
0: Yeah, uh, it does. And there's a little second. bit of an instinctual element too. It's like yeah. this is where the red light green light thing comes yeah. in. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. I can feel uh, this is kind of sounds weird, but like I can feel as I'm learning the tunes I develop because I'm not reading a chart. I develop that feeling of like, okay, the part where something unusual is going to happen is coming up. Right. So as I'm learning the songs, I'm, I'm training myself to just remember that. And then pre-course hits. And it's like, Oh, I missed it this time. Okay. I got to remember next time. That's where that thing happens. Okay. Next time. Okay. I got it this time. Next time. Okay. Now I know it's here, you know, and now I've developed that, that memory of like, here comes, the bad weird part and that so now i've learned the song but now i'm not looking at a chart i don't know if that makes sense but that makes perfect sense i mean i I,
1: I should be doing that because i get stressed i i for me learning a set list is definitely a stressful endeavor Um,
0: oh it is for me too i'm not saying this stuff is super easy i think that'll ease
1: it a little bit though it's like mike you know what you're doing like the fact that i can do that gig where there's no set list and like fucking nail it and like i don't have to look Mm -hmm. at his hands or anything you know what i mean like I just sort of follow along yeah. by ear. And yeah, there was one time that he didn't have a bass player. So I was the only harmonic instrument. It really? was just guitar, uh, bass, and drums. And and I just had to like make up lead lines for the hooks. And then I just had to play chords. And it was...
0: Wait a minute. So there was no bass? You just said there, there was, was bass? Ba- there, well, there was no bass. He
1: played bass.
0: Oh, Man. I see.
1: He's a talented yeah, dude.
0: Yeah. Nice. Um, talented dude. The one, one more thing I'll say to this uh, is this something we tried for the first time that worked really, really well this show uh, in particular because we couldn't rehearse and there was so much material was uh, I made spreadsheets for each artist. And so it would have their set list in the, in the yeah. left-hand side column, right? So song one, two, three, four, whatever. And then next to each one of those songs um i'd list myself mark and will and then uh on the top bar would be sort of the timeline of the song so like verse one pre-chorus oh, one, wow chorus cool, cool. one verse two pre-two chorus two etc until the end of the song and then if there was a harmony part in one of those sections i would it just became my job to like say who's gonna sing what. The sign yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah i'll take the mid uh Mark takes the low was like often what I did, yeah. And then I would go into each. uh I would just record a little snippet of like me singing that harmony part. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then so I'd have these little snippet, and this took a bunch of time, but yeah, because if we you don't rehearse, have the time, then don't do it. Um, but even
1: the spreadsheet—that's
0: yeah. a great idea. And then so then it it helped me a to learn the part myself, and then b um because it's good practice right just to figure out what the harmony was i had to do that anyways but then like committing it to a a little recording snippet makes me learn it better right and then B, uh mark or will or whoever when they're they can look at this sheet and i had it all linked to files in a drive folder wow yeah so they could just click on the on the here you are you're singing the mid part in chorus one click it opens a little file of me just being like singing, however well yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like here's what the notes are, here's what the part is. It's like wasn't a perfectionist kind of thing, but but it's a good, um, good
1: way to coordinate.
0: Yeah, because um, then there's not, then there's no uh, question about like who's doing what, right? So if you have yeah. somebody in your in your band who you trust to sort of um, direct that side of it. It was. It made things very efficient for us. There was no. And if you could do a little recording of each harmony, then that you're
1: doing or that everyone's doing.
0: Everybody's doing. Yeah. Oh wow. So
1: I feel like that's yeah.
0: That's like
1: high resolution. You know, we got lots of time. uh, Not that these gigs. That it's like it's, yeah. Like that's that's a good idea. It's just, you know, obviously, yeah, it, that's if you're I mean, almost like the band me, leader.
0: Yeah. I yeah. mean, well, Mark, I mean, it's interesting because the way we worked together on this one was that Mark took charge of just making sure there was a chart for every song. I see. So that if there was discrepancies, I would look to that and be like, yeah. okay, this is what we're doing. It sounds like it might go here, but we're going to do this. Sure, um, sure, sure. Let so me make sure we're all playing the same thing. And then my job was make sure that we know what everybody's singing backup wise because you know i'm gonna take most of the harmonies but if there's a three-part here's what it is sure Um, yeah yeah, yeah. or whatever if there's a gang here's what it is um so compartmentalizing that out rather than everybody sort of doing work on their own and then coming together on the day of the gig and being like yeah here's what you know what i mean 90 percent of the time it's gonna be
1: fine but that 10 percent of the show there's gonna be like little things like ooh ooh you know that came up. So that's it, probably a good it, idea for a house band situation too. Because like, how often yeah. are you going to be playing with multiple bands? You know, that's more like a, a band leader thing. Or it's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. no, me and these four guys are were the house band. Somebody needs to take the reins.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I, yeah that's cool. So, I mean, so
1: I hope hopefully that answers Rich's question.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a kind of a deep dive there. That but that it was, was like a thirty minute more. dive. <laughs> um, the other thing that we want to do here is play people's music on the show yeah. if yeah. you have a song that's uh released or not or whatever you uh and it's yours and you want uh, us to maybe review the song a little bit and give you some exposure and play the song send us uh it could be an mp3 it could be a soundcloud link it could be uh, a google drive dropbox whatever to musicguypodcast.com Or, again, connect with us on on social media, let us know, and uh, we'll listen to the tune if we like it, which we probably will because we like music, then uh, we'll play it uh, on the show and give you a shout out. So definitely do that. If you want uh, us to play your tune, we would love to play it. Cool. Um and with that i guess yeah let's get into the main topic we've already already been rolling for uh for a minute here but we'll do this um now you know what i'm thinking is how am i going to get pro tools open without losing like there's no way i can do this without losing the uh the recording so we'll just have to let's just talk about it we'll just have to talk through it yeah Yeah, i was gonna say because i'm already using pro tools to record um but anyways um so Let's let's talk uh I just want to do a little bit of an update on the ten step mix, which we talked about thirty-four episodes ago. This is almost a year just ago crazy. that we did this. Um and basically what we did at that point is I, I made a video series of ten videos to sort of show the mixing process of a song, sort of the way I was doing it, and break it down into ten steps that were sort of easy to follow and give like a good workflow yeah. to myself and and hopefully others who um were looking for like a little bit of guidance it's like this the these mixing. are like the
1: steps that it you know you're doing them in a particular order, but these are the steps that are taken to mix a song, you know, yeah, so it's like it applies um, so, to not just mixers or people who want to mix but like people who want to understand better what's going on, what they're paying for,
0: yeah, that's a great way of looking at it as well too it's like yeah, here's what goes on and and how. Uh, how much is involved, but also how you can organize, um, the process in a way just to make it a little bit more, uh, feasible. Cause if you just start, if you just open up a session, and you just start moving faders around and slapping plugins on things. You can get lost real fast. Oh, it's inconsistent and, uh, too. Yeah. And I, I've, I've been there. I'm sure a lot of us have. And I just find that as I develop my workflow, I was getting things done more quickly, more consistently, not getting lost as much, still getting lost quite often, but, but not as much. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just sort of getting to results that I, I found, uh, I enjoyed and the people that I was working for enjoyed uh, a little bit quicker, a little bit more easily. Um, so anyways, and, and I've got like a process that I, that I trust to a certain degree. So if I feel like I'm really veering away from that on a project and being like, Oh, well, I, you know, I got i I'm EQing this like this because of this. And then I'm like compressing the heck out of this because of this. And it's like, hold on a second. Like this is, we're getting a little too far away from what works. Um, And uh, maybe let's just, you know, take a break, come back to it and, and maybe see if we can get back to, to sort of what what's working because we're kind of veering off here, so um, you know, just not completely clawing away at something in the dark. Um, so yeah, let's 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 jump into it. Let's go over it, and I'll sort of explain what plugins I've been using for people who are interested in that kind of stuff. And this is for mixing like a rock track or a pop or a country kind of song. Yeah, and speaking. I mean, but I'm I think sure
1: the, th- the same things apply between like not the same exact things but you know like the same idea you know you're EQing something to clean it up or you're EQing to enhance it or make it stand out more something of that nature
0: yeah i think the overall process is going to work for most styles of music it's specifically how you're processing different instruments is going to change stylistically uh speaking and and all that kind of stuff but but yeah so um so, these are all videos you can find on our YouTube channel, um, youtube.com slash musicguypodcast. If you want to check them out, I think there's still uh, great videos to watch, but uh, just to sort of give people uh, an introduction to this, if they haven't heard that previous episode or seen the videos, and also just a little bit of an update of what uh, I'm doing now. So, um, step one, import the template, and this is something that I wasn't doing until about a year ago and this just changed everything for me in terms of workflow on pro tools um so when we're talking about a template this is um the the way that i look at a template is this is the most recent thing i've mixed so i make a new session and i import the settings and the data um from the previous session so if i've got a a session with you know some instrument tracks that have been edited and recorded and some vocals that have been edited and, and tuned and all that stuff. All that stuff is ready to go. We're ready to mix. I will literally just import, it's called import session data on Pro Tools uh, from the previous session and uh, match each track. So the kick drum from that session is going to go to the kick drum of this session and and uh, guitars are going to go to guitars. And, and, and all the things match that you perfectly. do to it,
1: right? Like all the... All the plugins and adjustments you've made sort of come with
0: it that's right yeah, yeah. so i'm not replacing the audio the audio is yeah. what we've recorded for this current song or whatever but um yeah exactly all the plugin settings and even the volume settings the sends yeah. what's going to reverb what's going to whatever and roughly how uh loud everything's going to be that all comes in okay and then um if i'm starting right from scratch uh or if i you know i may mute a lot of those plugins uh once they've been brought in but just to get a get a start here from scratch but having those plugins um there already saves a bunch of time in terms of menu diving and like trying to remember what we did on the last song they all are i can bypass them all just to start just to because we're going to get into the next couple steps here where we're just going to get a rough balance but then as i bring those plugins in i don't need to click through a bunch of menus, right?
1: Yeah. So once again, um, it makes you more consistent. You know, you're starting oh, yeah. the exact same way every time you're like, mm. your home base is the same plugins and adjustments, but it's like, oh, I'm still going to like mix the song for the song, but I just know what I did before.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a criticism of this might be like, oh, well, all your mixes are going to sound the same. Uh, Cause you're always using the same, sure plugins or whatever but it's like yeah i use the same guitar to play like yeah every song i play not every song i play sounds the same you know what i mean like so there's just certain plugins that work for certain instruments and i think that in watching a lot of top mixers do their thing on you know different videos and like mix with the masters and stuff like that guys have their go-to Uh, gear or plugins for different purposes people say oh this this mic always sounds good on this yeah yeah and this plugin i always use this for this and stuff so i think you're gonna i think what seems like a great idea is like oh yeah we'll we'll just start fresh and we'll just see what sounds good and we'll just start pulling stuff in actually takes a ton of time and can for me anyways end up with me just getting lost um whereas if i just pull in what we had on the last track that worked it's a great starting point. You know? well, also,
1: too, you, you, I think you mentioned in the videos, uh, is it objectivity? Mm-hmm. The idea that you lose it the more you listen. So it's like the more time you spend putting in all this stuff, the more objectivity you lose. And just you're listening to it and you get used to how it sounds. And you're like, oh, yeah, this sounds good because you've listened to it like 20 times. But it's like, no, it, it, like your thing before could have sound, sounded better so maybe it that's helps a great point maintain it
0: no you're absolutely right man and like if the longer it takes you to do things the less objectivity you have you're absolutely yeah. right you lose that right and even time spent um not listening to the song and like diving into a menu for a plugin like if that takes if it takes me 20 to 30 seconds to find a plugin and then maybe another 30 seconds to like kind of turn the knobs the way i want yep. and then like i'm Maybe listening to like a solo kick track. drum or something i'm yeah. losing that objectivity that perspective on the rest of the song whereas like if you as much as possible can listen to all the tracks at the same time and not solo a ton uh then you know you can hear okay the kick drum needs a little bit more thump and attack it's like I've already got the plugins on there. The song's playing. I don't need to pause the song to look for a plugin like I can just un you know I can just turn this plugin on. okay, that's kind of doing what I want. All right, maybe I'll yeah. just add a little bit more top end, but that's pretty much it. okay, now we're done. That took ten seconds, yeah. you know as opposed to a minute and a half searching through a vast menu of things for the the and right times you know, that EQ. by forty
1: plugins or whatever, and you know that's that sizable amount of time and objectivity you're losing
0: exactly yeah so templates so if you watch the uh, the first video of the 10 set mix you'll see how i do that i don't actually use the pro tools template file um because those just always are buggy for me and weird really? i'll just yeah they they don't work sometimes and plus like it's a it's a it's an evolving it's a living evolving document right song sure. to song like i, I don't want to have to go back to my template file and update that for every mix i yeah, do it's a pain i just let's just pull in the stuff we used last time maybe i changed compressors on something i do going want
1: to you know you may have like a template you know 10 years from now you may be like oh i mixed a song <clears throat> that was kind of similar to this and i had a good sound so i'm just gonna pull up that song and, and drag it in you know yes, and work from there exactly
0: yeah yeah oh yeah yeah if there's like a hard rock song we did from yeah a couple of years ago and it's like I'm not gonna maybe use those settings on the next country record but the next yeah you're right the next jo- uh song of similar similar genre just fly all that stuff in it's super easy so uh use templates they're the best and then honestly from there like with a with a few minor adjustments you could get pretty close to a to a done mix but i think it there is some value on, in um In bringing in those plugins, bypassing them or disabling them and just getting the faders um, in a good spot. So just listen to all the tracks together and just start sort of moving faders up and down until you've got what we would call a rough balance where you can sort of hear everything. You pan things to one side or another and just like here's sort of the we're roughing it in. Here's sort of something that sounds acceptable to me without using any plugins or any automation at all. Just get that, get the song to that point that, you know, hopefully will only take one or two listens through the song. Um, so again, this is all about time efficiency, right?
1: Yeah. Also not, not leading jumping. you down the wrong path, right? I feel like yeah. if the guitar is recorded a certain way and you, you're like, you want to hear it a certain way that's like polar opposite to the way that it's recorded or the guitar that they're using. I find myself EQing things like way too drastically. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know if that's necessarily the move. Yeah. Apparently well, okay, like, it's all EBK about... always says, make it sound as good as you can with just fucking faders. Um,
0: yeah, because you need that context, right? Yeah. As soon as you, as soon as you hit the solo button, you have no idea what, the purpose of this this element is anymore right? sure. it needs to you need to be listening to it in conjunction with the other elements that are going to be playing nobody's nobody is ever going to hear that track in solo yeah unless unless it's 40 years later and the song was a huge hit and like somebody takes the stems and puts them on youtube and like whatever but nobody's ever going to hear that right so um so you know you need to be listening in in, in context so we're always trying to maintain efficiency of time and objectivity just like you said mike like we're listening to the, all the tracks at the same time get a rough balance with the faders just make it sound acceptable um and that's step two so a couple listens through the song just push some faders in different directions get it sounding kind of reasonable and then um move to step three which is the mix bus uh processing so on your on your digital audio workstation, be it Pro Tools or Cubase or Reaper or Ableton or whatever, you should be able to send all the tracks in your mix to one singular stereo aux channel. Um, And so you're going to, instead of having each track individually coming out your speakers, they're all going to go to this one, two-channel stereo aux track and that'll send to your speakers and then what you can do is actually put processing on that aux channel and that's going to be called the mix bus that's what we call the mix bus Um, and so we can apply a little bit of compression to that we can apply a little bit of light distortion or like sonic enhancement so i've been using um the ssl bus compressor that's a pretty classic choice for the mix bus um where it's just touching the track like maybe reducing uh compressing like by a db on the loudest hits you know yeah one to two dbs very light uh very transparent very slow attack fast release kind of just like you you don't notice that it's there too much. It just kind of hugs things and ties the track together a little bit. I've been using the Oxford Inflator. Yeah, you were talking about... So, the Oxford Inflator, it,
1: is it like an enhancer or...?
0: Yeah, kind of. That's what they call it, like a sonic enhancer. It's like and a secret sauce kind of plug-in. Yeah.
1: It's a, you know what I kind of equate that stuff to? It's the same as when guys are like, I run my rig through this... And I don't even do anything like I can't even I can't even tell what it's doing, but it just adds. I like what it does. You know what I mean? Like, this is the guitar version of this. Um, Yeah. So there's a guitarist named Brent Mason, amazing country guitarist. But he's not like I don't think he thinks uh, I don't think he overthinks things. You know, I'm not saying he's stupid, but I don't think he overthinks things. So he has uh, an EP booster pedal. EP Booster, yeah, great yeah, example. I heard yeah. him talking about it when it was in his rig. He's like, "I don't even know what this does, but I just always leave it on." You know, yeah. and it's he doesn't even turn the volume up; he just leaves it, you know, at zero and turns it on. Just, just running it chain, through it, yeah, yeah. Because wasn't it sound that good. didn't
0: that come from Van Halen? He did that he with uh a... the phaser, right?
1: And it's like, but he uh, didn't
0: turn the phaser on. It was yeah. just he just wanted it in his pedal board because it it gave a little extra juice or something isn't that i think what it where was, was came it, from?
1: To a sound engineer would have heard the phaser but your average okay. like person it, it was so slow and so like minimal you know what i mean yeah that it uh that it like just it just added something to his tone you know right um so, so that's cool. yeah
0: yeah yeah so um actually i saw a video with tom lord algae uh cla's brother yeah. where he put a slow phaser on a live recording on the mix bus like you're saying it'd be like the cycle of the phase was very like it was very minimal but it took like 30 seconds or something to actually get all the way around the the phase cycle yeah. so you didn't really know that it was happening but it was adding some kind of interesting motion to the track so it was interesting really cool. that sort of stuff is so yeah. cool And so stuff like that's going on all the time. So anyways, yeah, the Oxford Inflator, it's one of those plugins where it's like, is this just making things louder? Is it actually doing anything? I don't know. I spent like 300 bucks on it. So hopefully it's, (laughs) yeah, it's making (laughs) me $300 more expensive. You put it on, you put it on your track and, and it just makes it sound better. So I use that and then you'll use maybe like a limiter, like an L1 or an L2 from waves um, just to make it loud. So that when you send it to the client, they're not like, "Why is this so quiet?" Yeah. Um, and then you'll usually take that off in mastering. But if you really like what it's doing to the track and it's not compressing it too too much, you can actually send it to mastering with the limiter on. I've done that too, um, yeah. Because mastering engineers have that like extra secret sauce, or so they can get even more headroom, and and yeah. a lot of them don't even care if you've got a limiter on your track they as got long a as better it's not room,
1: better speakers, smashing it, but crazy expensive gear better ears you know yes so So usually you take the limiter off
0: but i will i will leave on the compression and the enhancer uh and one other thing i'll do is i'll roll off like 40 hertz of low end and like very the very very top end like 20k i'll do a little high or a low pass at 20k on an eq just to save um save headroom there because those are frequencies that you're not hearing on either side so mm. to get you know unless you're like a dog if you've got like a super super low like bass synth or something you don't want it to be like rumbling people's cars so you can just roll off that <sighs> super super low uh, stuff so uh that's mixed bus and then I jump to uh lead vocals so this is where the biggest sort of revelation came for me and I don't remember why I started doing this but it's usually you're a vocalist Maybe usually a lot of people um, start with the kick drum, right? Jump to the kick drum. Let's solo it up. Let's uh, let's make the kick drum sound slamming. Right. Um, And I flipped it around for some reason, and I've liked it a lot better this way. I start with the lead vocal. Lead vocal is the most important element of any song. uh, So why not start there and make the rest of the instruments complement that? that's my um, that's, that's my theory it's been working i find that i've just been getting mixes done faster and they sound better when i start this way so i've already got plugins on the vocal from the template so now all i have to do is enable them right and i've usually got um so it usually starts with an eq that's reducing the build-up frequencies so it's usually a frequency somewhere in between like 150 and 200 hertz ish um or you'll sort of there'll be some if you turn yeah. it up right if you if you squish the cue in as tight as you can go and turn it up and, and move it around uh you'll start hearing that when yeah. you find the, the one that's sort of the most uh egregious i just bring it down usually by a db and then flatten the cue back out so it's nice and gentle so it's just natural just reducing just a little yeah a little more natural yeah. just reducing a little bit of 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 Womp and and whatever. And then there's usually a build up frequency between uh, two and three hundred and then one between maybe three and four hundred. So I'll just gently reduce those. And then depending on uh, this is maybe a thing I didn't have in the original, but depending on the singer's voice, I found that cutting around six to seven hundred works yeah. Well, at least for my own voice, I've I've got a build up there, and and so you got to find sort of each individual vocalist where they've got build up, and if you're recording from home, uh, you're going to have more of these build up frequencies because you at room. studios they've got better treated rooms and better gear, and they may have already done some of this EQ in the first yep. place. Yeah. So you may not need as much of it uh, if you if your tracks ca- came from a sweet studio, but if they didn't, you might have to get a little bit more aggressive with some of these build-up frequencies. Um, Kind of heuristic for this, for me, is the more you're cutting, the more you're reducing those frequencies, the tighter the Q should be, right? The tighter the width of that cut. So if I'm cutting 6 dB, I'm going to tighten up that Q so that I'm not affecting uh, the surrounding frequencies as much. Obviously, you got to do what sounds the best, but generally speaking the bigger of a cut you're gonna make and I think this works for any instrument really. Uh, the bigger the cut goes, the the tighter uh, the bandwidth of that cut should be When do you
1: when do you decide to do something like like a notch where you're like really really like narrow cue and you cut out a ton? When is that like versus like oh, you know, like, is it something if it really stands out and you don't even need to sweep around for it? Do you you're like, OK, I'm going to fucking just really cut. This yeah,
0: out. I mean, sometimes there's situations <clears throat> where um, there was a, a room irregularity where there, you could just hear like in the room the whole time. Yeah. You know, you'd then you search for that and try to try to cut that out. It can be really tough to remove that stuff. Um, but where I'll do the the tightest deepest cuts is on drums oh, okay. um, because drums don't change pitch generally speaking unless we're talking uh, about like a timpani um, so that if you find that build-up frequency in the kick drum it's always going to be there whereas in a vocalist you know you're the 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 build-up range is going to be a little bit more broad because they're going to move through different notes so so I'll do a gentle cut, try not to disrupt the tone of the voice too, too much, um, but on like a kick drum, if I find like a woom 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 at like 350 or whatever, I'm just going to jam that pretty far down. Um, that's smart. So, yeah, that's sort of, or like cymbals, overheads, you know, 4K, 4.5K, just find where it's just like, whoosh, yeah. and just get that out of here. It's, it's the worst, you know, but um yeah so that's that's where i do that i mean i'm not it's not the only way to do it and i'm sure there's people who do things differently who are better than me but but that's what i do so fair enough um yeah so reducing those sort of build up frequency to the vocals and then i'll put the the flavor eq on after that so that'll be like an ssl um uh, channel strip and i just pull up the lead vocal preset and kind of just go from there if it's adding too much low end i'll take that out um but usually it's just adding some top and yeah, maybe fantastic. some like presence yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. So, so it'll add some like 8k and and some uh and some so like 4k or whatever
1: the the Three bottom brings the fullness is that mm-hmm. what you would say and then like the top brings almost like the clarity like the
0: yeah or and the uh, expensiveness the clarity and maybe some edge to the sound yeah. too yeah um so, I've been experimenting lately with yeah, adding more like 3 and 4k to the vo- to the vocal just to get it to really um be upfront and in your face. Yeah. You can't add frequencies like that to too many different instruments otherwise it just becomes very fatiguing to listen to, but for I, a vocal I, I think you can so You can. Explain do it.
1: to me ear fatigue cuz I I'm sure I've experienced it, but I don't consciously go like, "Ooh, my ears are tired."
0: Oh man, well, I mean You've been to a concert before, and like
1: it hurts, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I never get I mean, that from mixing or listening to like stuff. Like oh, really? Guitar.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I mean, for my understanding, there's an there's like a built-in EQ curve, if you will, to like the human ear. Yeah. Okay. So, in evolutionary terms, it's more important for us to hear 3K. Than, um, I don't know, like three hundred hertz, for example. Sure, sure. Because if we're trying to avoid predators, we need to hear like the sound of a twig snapping underfoot or something, right? Like if you're ever go for a hike and you step, you know, you hear a rustling in the the woods or something, you're like, "Holy shit, is that a bear or something?" It's like that 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 rustling, that sound of like something snapping. It's like that is all that pins right into your brain. Right. So those frequencies and like a actual audiologist could tell you what they are, but those, um, I guess what you'd say like upper mid frequencies, like one K two K three K four K five K area are like hyped They, they, they hit our ears harder because we're more sensitive to them. So if you have a piece of material or like a guitar tone or, uh a mix or whatever with a lot of those frequencies boosted in it that will fatigue your ear and become like difficult to listen to so you I have see. to be selective with um with where those where cool. you're going to use those because they're they do science a lot. behind this this yeah they do a lot nonsense. so when you boost 3k and a signal you're really going to notice that you did that so mm. be, be aware of that but anyway so then yeah a little bit of uh a little bit of EQ boosting on that uh, SSL lead vocal preset. I like to use presets, man. Somebody else put in the time. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pop it in and and also reap you the can benefits. figure out
1: what they're doing. You know, it's like, oh, well, why mm-hmm. is why are they adding 3K? It's like, oh, cool. Like whereas yeah. you don't have to start from scratch and just be like, well, what do I think I should add here? That's yeah. Fucked.
0: Exactly. I
1: don't think anyone so.
0: Can little bit of little bit of that and then there'll be a little bit of compression on there too um, because why not and then on to the next plugins which are uh deessers so we boosted some top end to give some air and some presence and stuff now you're going to get this coming in super hot especially if your singer is not uh self-aware about how loud their s's are or you know whatever if they're really going for it they're really going to be they're really gonna be pushing air so you're going to get those s's so um i'll pull up like a frequency analyzer i've got one built right into the template uh and go to an area where there's an s see what pops up on the frequency analyzer put that in your gser and then just set the the uh slider so that it's only catching the s's you don't want to be doing like 12 16 db of reduction on s's because it's going to catch your uh other parts of the performance just like the regular singing yeah and it's going to start to sound weird so you just Do you want like, to stock the like, yes, three three dbs i use uh the waves one oh, okay but,
1: so it allows you to punch in like individual like it's multi-band sort of thing as opposed to just like oh cut out the highs
0: well you can set what frequency it's um it's targeting
1: oh okay that's cool yeah that's cool
0: yeah so it's um i guess it's a multi-band compressor in a sense it's more like a dynamic eq i guess Sorry, yeah it's like so a ds is going to take whatever frequency you tell it and compress only there in the frequency spectrum and leave everything else alone right yes so usually it's like 5600 uh is a good good general 5500 like five and a half K that's usually where the S's live. But if, um, if there's a c- certain mics will amplify certain frequencies, like some of the more like high end condenser mics I find. And if it's a female voice too, I find the S's can live like as high as like 8.9 K or like mm. even like s- somewhere up there too. So you just, you just use a frequency analyzer. It's super easy. And then, uh, I'll use a second deesser. This is a trick that I saw on, a Billy Decker video, Billy Decker and uh, a mixer from down in Nashville um, for singers who, when they really go for a belty note, and you're just like, oh, like it sounds like they're yelling at you. Do you know that? Do you know what I'm talking yes. about? Like, yeah. The, and we all have that potential in our voice, right? It's just when you go really go for it, you get that little extra bit of edge, and sometimes it's too much, right? And it just I don't know how to explain it otherwise. Other than I'm listening to the song, and when they go for that note, I'm just like, oh, I just get a twinge, you know? Um, And it's no fault of the singer, it's just that's just what happens with your voice, right? Um, So put a DSer at 2K, 2K, very low. So that's not going to catch S's, it's going to catch that abrasiveness that and my voice has i use it on my voice all the time my voice can get abrasive when i'm going for it and so and so that'll just dip that frequency by like 3db yeah when the singer's really going for it and like it's it, so nice it it
1: dips just that frequency because the funny thing is i've been using the stock d s on pro tools and the mm. only way that it works is that it's like everything above that so if i set it to 2k everything above 2k Ooh. will be isn't that crazy? Oh,
0: that's rough. Yeah, yeah. that's rough. That's yeah, too yeah. bad. Yeah, get, get yourself uh, a different dees I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Waves, Waves one's pretty good. I don't know. There's there's some crazy ones out there that are like forward-looking and super high-tech and stuff, but the Waves one has been working okay for me. Too like um,
1: forward-thinking.
0: So, yeah, and then it's compression, compression time after that. API 2500 just smashing the crap out of most vocals, like 12 to 24 dBs compression with that. Yeah. Um, And the only trouble you'll get into by by hammering vocals that hard is the breaths can sometimes start to be uh, really um, accentuated Mm. because you're you're turning down the volume of, you know, pretty much every note they're singing by compressing. So then when they go for the breath, it's like (sighs) it's super loud now, right? Because you've equalized the volume of of the vocal so much. So then sometimes I'll need to go in after the fact in automation and just take those breaths down but i just really like the sound of that compressor and i like to really really drill the vocal with it uh and then i'll put the arvox compressor after that very lightly um i heard i think it was chris lord algae on a video say like you need the you need your like main compressor compress compressor you need your main compressor that's doing, like, the heavy lifting, and then you need your finisher compressor, which is doing, yeah. like, a little bit just after that. So, one working really hard and one not working so hard. Yeah. Um, and I use the, uh, the RVOX from Waves because it's got kind of a built-in presence function to it where it kind of hypes the the good parts of the voice and then also does a little bit of compression as well. So, that'll be doing, like, 3 dB. Um, and that's that's the vocal chain, and then sometimes a little bit of distortion after that too. Actually, yeah, Pro Tools on the LoFi, style. that LoFi plugin yes. stock
1: free. Put like
0: point three of 0.3 d- of distortion on that is nice. Yeah. It adds a little bit of like uh, break up to the voice in a pleasant way for me. And then if it's more like if it's a rock track, I've I've sometimes turned that up to like one one point five to actually get some some edge so that the voice blends in better with like heavy guitars and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a distortion on, on vocals can be really sweet. So experiment with it. It's great. Um, so that was a long explanation, but I think the vocals deserve it because they're the yes. most important part. Um, and once I find, once I've got that vocal chain working, then, uh, the track like sounds done all of a sudden it's like, wow, this sounds And I haven't even touched the instruments yet, but they're roughly balanced and the vocal sounds good. And it's like, man, this is really coming together. And then from there, it's it's it gets a lot easier. So step five is lead vocal effects. I'll send uh, the vocal to a a stereo delay that's very quick. It'll be like a 30 and 60 uh, millisecond delay on on either side. And that just gives it some width in the stereo field. I'll send it to a reverb. And I'll send it to uh, a quarter note delay and the quarter note delay is going to be very quiet or off in the verses and it'll be up in the choruses just to give the vocals some extra length. And then if we need any like special effects, uh, we'll do those later. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, But
0: typically I've got, got the, got a main reverb, a little spread. I call it the spread, just the little delay. And then, um, the, the quarter note delay is usually where, where we start and then, uh, then you gotta then you gotta rock and vocal man and then from there it's just instruments so step six is drums um without going into too too much detail all the drums are pretty much the same the kick drum is uh the place where i'll be looking for those build-up frequencies and take yeah, them and out. cutting aggressively um so like 150 to 200 uh again like 200 300 area there's usually Two to three frequencies between 150 and three that that are that are kind of not really what I would consider to be part of the kick drum sound that you want to hear. Yeah, and you kind of got to use your judgment a little bit, but you'll hear them flaring up, and then you just notch them down. If six to twelve dB reduction. What's that?
1: If you sweep through, especially as well, you'll you'll hear them.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, just like a gentle cut around 250 or 300 of like, depending on, again, if you if these were done in a nice studio and they may have already had it running through an EQ, they may have already done the cuts. But if if it's flat, you're recording at home, maybe or recording in a studio where they, they didn't do, you know, a bunch of sweet outboard gear stuff. You just yeah. dip gentle, gentle, wide open kind of cue at like th- uh, 300 250 to 300 uh hertz down by like three to six db depending on how much you want to sculpt that that kick drum sound um and then if there's a kick out mic that would be for the kick in mic if there's a kick out mic i'll, I'll sometimes just cut all the like low pass everything down to like 100 hertz just to get the get sure. that sub information yeah, yeah. if it's like a a FET mic or something that sounds really sweet, then you might want to actually use some of that stuff. And, and in that case, we I would just probably duplicate the settings on the the kick in to the kick out. Just make mm. it super easy. Just drag them over. Um, and a little bit of compression, a little bit of EQ adding like, you know, hundred Hertz and like five K four or five K the to add, uh,
1: The hundred Hertz is just to add like fullness, I guess, or
0: thump. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I use the Shep's EQ from Waves, which has like a again just a kick drum preset I pulled up where they do this yep. like thing where they boost fifty hertz and then also high pass and it creates this bump, resonant bump. It's some some technical thing from like the old ten seventy three EQs, but the, yeah, you know, that whatever. they
1: did, that somebody just, figured out and then you know now everybody does it.
0: Yeah, so again, I just pulled up a preset and it did it did it all for me. So um, and then. Snare drum, I'll have it going to um again, I'll just use a snare preset EQ from uh, SSL or um ten uh, Chefs 73 or whatever. It sounds good. Little bit little bit of compression, really not that much. Really like two to three dBs of snare compression. Really? And yeah, you don't want to hit the drums too hard because that's when you end up with that like kinda boo kind of like you lose that snap i don't know if that makes sense but yeah no i know you can hear when or the drums almost sound like they're kind of like sucking in and out or something on the record that's when they've been compressed too hard you don't you don't really want to hit them very hard at all if at all uh and then i'll send it to a sample on an track as well if it needs it um and if it doesn't then i'll just oftentimes send it to a um a sampled just the reverb of a snare you were saying that so the yeah sample will just be like <laughs> or whatever in <laughs> a good way that way you you get the, yeah you get this you get the reverb sound but you don't get the uh the bleed of you know the cymbals into the snare mic and, and i see whatever yeah, yeah. else right um and then some distortion actually on the kick and the snare lo-fi man 0. 0.7 distortion your boy uh and then the toms you're gonna usually cut them so that you don't have to put a gate on them each individual tom hit i'll, yeah. I'll edit a yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, little bit of eq and again sample reverb samples on them if we, if uh, we want a little bit of size and then um, overheads pretty basic i'll usually high pass the overheads up to uh three four five hundred hertz get rid of the any Potential for like phasey weirdness between sure. the low end of the snare and the kick drum and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, notch out those high frequencies, 4K, uh, 2.5K sometimes. You just got to sweep around, boost your frequency, sweep around, and just listen for that shh, just awful stuff. Just cut that down. Um, and then sometimes I'll do an actual low pass around, you know, 16K or whatever, even 14K. It seems K with the drums,
1: to, a lot of it is uh, just cleaning up.
0: As opposed yeah, to... Yeah, just uh, cutting away some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, brutal frequencies. And then we'll have the uh, the parallel bus going on, which uh, parallel compress- compression. So you send the kick, snare, and toms to uh, an, another aux track that's going to be playing in conjunction with the drums that are already there. Uh, I'll stick like an unlinked... API twenty five hundred stereo compressor on there, and not too much crazy compression, but like maybe three to six dBs, and that's oh, going to okay. add some some thickness uh to the snare and the kick without really like noticeably compressing them. And the yeah, so you don't get the add thing add you were talking about before
1: to. the weird yeah. the weird sound.
0: And generally, you don't want to put send the symbols to that because it'll just get crazy well also too
1: uh, that's another one of those things like you were saying with the high pass thing where it's like oh i high pa- i high pass to 50 so there's no frequencies below 50 you know you're cutting mm. out the frequencies below 50 and then you boost 50 and below and it's like well that shouldn't do you shouldn't that doesn't make sense but it's yeah. like it's something that they figured out that does nice stuff it, it works to drums, for some reason you know yeah
0: exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, so not not uncommon to have a parallel compression uh, situation. And if you're curious about how that works, there's lots of videos to show you. Yeah. Uh, of course, the 10-step mix video series i will show in depth of how that works. Um, and then, um, yeah, from drums, it's just the rest of the instruments at that point. So bass and uh, guitars and keys and stuff like that, and really... There's not too much to be done to those instruments. Maybe a little bit of EQ, a little if bit of compression on bass. Yeah, guitars generally like API 550 EQs with like a maybe. What are a some things to watch out for on bass.
1: You Sorry, know, like, what are some things to watch out for on bass? Because uh, like I have a few with electric guitar, but with bass, it's like you know it, too much bass, like or like you know getting rid of certain stuff like is there stuff that you generally would get rid of or really does it depend on the part that the bass is playing or
0: i would try not to do too much on bass yeah um yeah really i mean recorded well hopefully it's usually it is because usually people just DI bass Yeah, Uh, yeah and most of the time like i see a lot of videos where there's a bass amp was recorded and you know a- andrew Sheps or whoever's just like yeah i'm just gonna use the di because it's yeah, sounds better. yeah, yeah. So, so um usually the you know the di is is the gonna be the choice signal it's gonna be clean um you can put a little distortion on it if you want to but usually i you would throw an sim
1: just... on there though obviously
0: yeah no no really no 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 just no, direct, just direct. Yep. wow
1: i direct did not bass, know that. baby
0: sounds great you could. I mean, I just find that all the all that stuff just kind of adds weird harmonics. Sure. And, uh, I mean, it depends if you're really going for a specific sound tone, yeah. then then yeah, maybe. Yeah. But for most stuff, nah, just DI man, Fun. and uh, like roll off a little bit of low end, roll off some top end too. Like you can you can low pass it down to you know six k or five k if you don't need any of that top end of the bass. If you just want that the thickness of it but yeah. if you want to hear the the attack of the pick maybe or the the strings a little bit more then you just leave it alone a little bit of compression um maybe i've used the max bass plug-in from waves just to give it some like extra low, low. end but that can get yeah. a little weird too so uh, honestly with bass i just compress it a little bit and
1: you get to that's go that's it yeah mark always gets like um, super appropriate tones too uh with electric guitar I feel like electric guitar is one of those ones. I mean, you, you're a big fan of the direct and electric guitar and so am I, but um, mm-hmm. I feel like the things to watch out for with electric guitar, like too much bass, like especially if it's not properly recorded, you know, like, like if you just stick an SM57 dead center of the amp and the amp, like the settings are too bassy, like the person leaves the bass too high on the actual like amp, uh, mm-hmm. it can get pretty muddy. Uh, and then mm-hmm. also too much treble. You know, especially mm-hmm. if you stick it right in the center of the cone, it's like going to be travel city. So, uh, I, don't, I yeah. don't know, I guess you have to EQ that, uh, but direct in is, is the jam.
0: Yeah. High passing and low passing is, is a great thing to yeah. do. Generally speaking on the elements, uh, around the vocal, um, yeah. you can, you can high pass the vocal too up to like, you know, 80 or whatever, so that there's no rumble, uh, from, you know, those frequencies that you don't need to hear but like other instruments like guitars like high pass them like cut away everything up to a hundred you know yeah what 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 frequencies down there do you need from a guitar you don't yeah. that's where the kick drum is going to live and the and this is where when you're listening to things all together and not soloing things sure as you start to cut away low end from the instruments that don't need it all of a sudden you're like wow i can really hear the kick drum in the bass now
1: it starts to sound the more pro
0: yeah, the guitars aren't resonating and muddying up those low, you know, the guitars are sticking to what the guitars do best, which is a hundred to you know, five K or whatever, just the yeah. meat, right? So, um I'll maybe boost like a little bit of seven K on a on an on an API five fifty EQ, but but then also low pass like cut away the top end so that you don't have all that fizz if yeah. you've got a guitar tone that's super like fsh,
1: that was my mistake with my helix patches i brought it down to mm. eight but i was looking online people say for some of their patches they bring it all the way down to three for live Wow, now, i don't know yeah. if that's a recording context but like probably not but they bring it down to yeah. three Some not like they said Just, five or three um i don't think i would do that for recording though because that seems like you know
0: I mean, I've gone down pretty far with the, you know you you'll 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 start to really hear it right. But the yeah. thing about high passing and low passing is like just drag it if you know drag the controls or whatever and just be like yeah I can't really tell the difference yet can't really tell the difference yeah. yet oh now I kind of hear the tone changing all right I'll go back a little bit yeah and then that, it's like now you you know you've cut away all these frequencies that you didn't they're not affecting the core sound of the the element. And yeah, what you're doing you're is you're freeing room. up all this headroom for the other instruments that need to occupy that space. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't be afraid to high and high and low pass, baby. It's so good. Um, and then for other instruments, like, again, I'm going to be super unexciting here, but like for acoustic guitar, SSL EQ, pull up a preset, acoustic guitar preset. Does it sound good? Sweet. I've been experimenting with like more compression on acoustic. On acoustic, yeah. I really, like, I'm kind of digging how that sounds. Yeah. Uh, so don't I be wonder. Afraid to acoustic's hit, a tough one for me. Every time
1: I've recorded acoustic, I've just been like, "This can only serve one purpose. It can only be like quiet and rhythmic." But if it was like, mm. "Oh, the acoustic is like driving the the chorus or something, or not driving the chorus, but driving the verse and stuff like that," I yeah, I think it's I need to record it differently you know, or with a recording not, like, not a, bright
0: yeah, mic. recording an acoustic is, is, is a, a tough thing. You need to have a good room sure. and uh, a good microphone and a good guitar and a, and a good, good guitar. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it was done at a, at a good studio or or whatever. But for mine, I'm, I, you know, I use the Neumann um, TLM 103 kind of around the 12th fret, not too close. Yeah. Um so that you get a little bit of like natural compression and so far as like the air in between the instrument and the mic actually compresses the volume yeah. of the track of the song. So you're bit, not using the, the performance. Uh,
1: what are the it's not N T fives, the what are the yeah. pencil condensers? Do you yes. use those sometimes if they if it's just meant to be
0: like high stuff? Those are great <sighs> for any purpose, acoustic. Really? Yeah. Yeah, those are great mics. Shit. I don't, I don't own them, but if I oh. did, I would probably use them. Yeah, I saw you did for some reason. I don't. One thing I don't do is like the stereo pair, I, where yeah. like one's at the twelfth fret and like one's like over your ear or somewhere else. I yeah. just like, yeah. and my, and honestly, like when I get tracks that have been recorded that way, I usually pick one mic and mute the other one. Go from there, and just, yeah, because it's just simpler and easier. But um, there would be applications where you would really want to do that, like for a solo acoustic guitar piece to get sure. some sense of space but for for pop and stuff it just around the twelfth fret um don't point it too much at the sound hole otherwise you're gonna get a lot of yeah you know so there's a little bit of trial and error i've had some situations where like the seventh fret was the right place sounded better there so you yeah. can record a pass listen back to it try a different position try you know try three four five different mic positions pick your favorite one and Go from there. It's a good habit at to least, get into, right? You, like the yeah, engineering, like at least,
1: especially if you're recording it itself, is just as important as you know the mixing,
0: if not especially more. Especially for acoustic, or like you said, if you're recording a guitar amp and you're, you know, play with that mic position. If it's in the center of the cone, that might be too harsh. Yep, move it to the side yep. a little bit. But and do a little bit of mix.
1: Do, it's that's like it's not really a advice It's harder
0: to it, it's a lot harder to solve that problem later than it is to just do three passes of the chorus with different mic positions and choose your favorite one. Sure. That's easier yeah. than later being like this sounds like garbage and now I have to fix this.
1: I have to you reset know? up all my gear and then re-record it.
0: Or yeah, or like EQ this for an hour to try to like find yep. the best way to minimize how bad ends this up sounds.
1: Like it's never as good as if you just moved the mic.
0: Precisely. yeah Yeah. so do a little bit of due diligence don't just be like i think it goes here and go for it like take 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 five minutes to do a couple test runs of just the chorus and and see see what works um so and then all the instruments are going to a little bit of uh reverb or at least there's an option for that just like a stereo reverb um very light
1: and they're all going uh, the same one
0: yep they yeah, always yeah, go yeah. to the same channel aux channel and i can control individually instrument to instrument which ones are going and how much and then uh they're all also going to uh i think it's an eighth note delay or a quarter note delay it, it'll vary song to song and again it's like electric guitars like like that a little bit it gives them a little bit of um length and life and, and is that pan extra wide? G's. yep
1: so it's like a eighth yep eighth note delay pan wide note just really a quiet
0: note. yeah and it's super quiet it's not something you really notice and then again you can choose to send certain instruments more or less or not at all like acoustics so that's more like an enhancement go. as opposed yeah, to a, it's not an effect i feel se. like a lot of this
1: like stuff that. in in everybody's template but your template you can divide into like this is cleaning up and like this is enhancement you know yeah um yeah
0: so neat that's um, neat and then one thing we didn't <laughs> talk about before was VCA faders, but um, those are in the template as well. And for folks listening, you can download my template. It's all at the 10 Set mix yeah, um, video yeah. series. You can download the template for yourself. Excuse me, but um, VCA faders allow you to control groups of tracks at one time with a fader, so you can solo them all, you can mute them all, you can turn them up and down with a fader. It's so a It's a little bit nicer than thing, yeah. Little, yeah, a little bit nicer than groups. groups I was are a little willing bit, to pay a hundred bucks
1: so that i could use vcas but yeah i
0: that, did you that end up way the pro
1: tools works now they just can't you can't oh, update yeah. it because they want your money subscription
0: right <clears throat> right yeah that's too bad but anyway so all these all vca group the drums the uh all the instruments are just one because i can't be bothered to think about you know once i get the internal balance i just maybe want to push up the instruments a little bit or down a little bit. I haven't found it useful to group instruments separately. I found it more useful to group them all at once. Lead vocal gets its own VCA so that if you have uh, a doubled lead vocal, you move them together. But also once you do your automation and you've got little words up and down on your vocal, yes, you can't move that fader anymore because it snaps back to the automation that you've created. Yep. So you either have to go into your edit mode, turn on your trim tool, blah, 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 blah. blah. It's too complicated. I'll just take the VCA fader for the vocal, move that up and down. So that's now my master control for the vocal automation all stays untouched. That's nice. And then the backgrounds get their own VCA and yeah. the backgrounds just, uh, I just call, co- I'll just usually copy the uh, lead vocal plugins right over to the backgrounds. Maybe adjust the, uh, the frequency um build up cuts if we need to yeah and send them to reverb and we're, we're done so that's um that's it and then automation i guess is your last step so that's where you're going through maybe you've got a solo boost somewhere um or whatever for effect uh or maybe you've got um uh, there's title music there. Let's just mute perfect. that. I do know. We'll cut off. We're almost almost perfect timing. Um, so uh, maybe you've got... Um, sorry, I'm just going to make a note of that to cut that out later. Okay. Uh, so that was 89. That was almost 90 minutes, actually. I'm going to put 90 minutes. Um So maybe you've got a a solo boost that you need to ride up, or maybe you've got a drum fill you want to ride up or whatever. Uh, Most of my automation comes on the vocals, though. That's where we're just like the little words, like the, it. Vocal writing. Yeah, just ride those up. Just select that area and just, uh, you know, you got to go to your volume automation mode or whatever and just, just push those words up. And then the ends of words where it's trailing off, I like to slowly kind of ride those up as well, so that sure. as the vocalist gets quieter, it feels like they're closer to you. Um, I see. So you still get the impact of them singing more quietly, do, but it doesn't get buried by the band. Do
1: you ride anything else?
0: Typically, not that much. Yeah. Again, yeah. like a a guitar solo or a or maybe a, the odd drum fill. Yeah. Um, uh, I automation is one of those ones I was saying
1: earlier that they don't really give you. Like the internet has been good about sharing information now and being like, yeah, you have lots of things that you can, you know, like look up for recording and learn online. I haven't been able to find anybody's automation moves, you know, Mm. stuff like, you know, just like panning, changing and stuff like that and stuff where people are like, this is what I like to do when this happens, you know? It's just not a thing.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, I think that, probably the truth of the matter is is that like not a lot of people are doing it yeah and uh because it's kind of cumbersome and it takes a long time and it's a lot easier to just be like slap this plug in on your kick drum and it'll sound great give me lots of views you know what i mean so it is a little bit of a lesson uh, yeah yeah exactly vocal automation is kind of boring but i think it's very important it's Uh, night and day night and day you know definitely check out check out the the video of ours on uh on youtube where i go through how to do that i saw i saw um on mix of the masters the mixing engineer i can't remember his name but uh for for a cardi b track um and what this person will do is they'll take her lead vocal and you know ride every single word up or down or whatever just to make it hit exactly the way they want and then as the track goes through I, I, as he goes through the mixing process it's like okay now i actually need to ride this differently or that differently so what he does is he sends that vocal track to an aux track uh, I, I just so that he has a fresh volume control and over he rides it, it there? now and then rides again? it again and then again so this vocal track is going to like three it was going through three aux tracks by the end of it yeah. or something, and it, and all of them had rides and specific words, specific spots, just to get the vocal to be present and poke out.
1: Yeah, um, it really makes a difference. I did a, I didn't do a voiceover. I mixed a voiceover like before this all started, and like mm. the guy had great tone of voice. I compressed it. I did everything. It, like the mix sounded great, and as soon as I like actually got to. Uh, like do the vocal writing it was like oh this actually sounds like a real advertisement you know what i mean doesn't Mm -hmm. just sound like some some guy recorded his voice
0: and you just can't get that from plugins no like compressing is the sort of automatic go-to way to achieve you know, the evenness and volume from, from word to word, note to note, and you're going to get, it makes it sound really cool. And the tone is great. And of course we're going to do that, but you're never going to be able to get the, um, the level of detail from just compressing alone. You have to compress and then go in and, and ride the volume on, on every single word. And it takes, a it's a little bit involved and it takes some time, but it's totally worth it. And it doesn't take, I mean, once you get good at it, it doesn't take that long, but you know, it's gonna be a half hour
1: just gets better that'd be like yeah there's plugins
0: there's there are plugins like the waves vocal rider plugin yeah but i i I didn't find that it worked the way i wanted so um go in there grab the little words bring them up usually i'll bring the whole chorus might come up the entire vocal comes up a DB for the chorus so that it sits on top of the band. If a bunch of instruments got added at that point comes a little bit down for the verse. And yeah. So, I mean, once you get the hang of it, it's, it's not too tricky, but that is a, I think a, uh, a piece of, of work that I'm willing to actually spend everything else. I want to be like as quick as possible, possible. but that is, I'm willing to spend a half hour writing a vocal. Do
1: you do the vocal writing? Um, in your 10 step thing, right? Like you show how to yep. do it, right? Yeah. Uh, Cause yep. I'm pretty sure I learned, I learned it like better from there. And I did that mix after that. And it was like, Oh mm-hmm. shit, this is what I've been yeah. missing.
0: Yeah, man. That's, that's yeah. I mean, it's all in that video and that's just stuff I've learned from watching other people's videos or, or experimentation on my own, but yeah. I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and then usually once that's done, I can take my vocal VCA and actually turn the vocal down, maybe half a DB or DB from where I had it because now the little words aren't getting buried anymore. And it actually sits in the track, um, quite nicely. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much, um, that's pretty much it. And then because of the way pro tools works, um, you've got your, your mix bus happening. You can just sort of select the entire area of the song along that mix bus track right click the mix bus track say commit and it'll it'll uh render your entire track through your mix bus and you'll have a stereo mix. that's crazy man
1: see i can't do that because i didn't get 11 son of a bitch yeah if you don't
0: have that then you you have to set up an audio track uh, send your mix bus to that hit record press play and it'll yeah. literally record your mix to a stereo track which is how they did it in the old days of, of tape and stuff and there it does take that so, much I mean, longer this, but to sum yeah. it up
1: like the the you start off with your template your template is just mm-hmm. so it's consistent it has all your plugins in it but you you mute the plugins and then you get a rough balance from there just with the faders in terms of volume and that's usually what i feel like people get sent home after they do a day of recording it's like oh i'll send you like a rough you know mix mm-hmm. home and it's like okay yeah. that sounds pretty good you get it as good as you can there you're not soloing anything then you're sort of adding on that mix bus the mix bus is sort of everything uh the, the mix bus is like that last step before it hits your ears uh at least mm-hmm. in terms of what you have control of and you're just doing a, a few like sort of almost enhancing things on the mix bus not really in doing a, a macro lot of
0: sense up. We're, yeah, we're yeah we're you know processing the track as a whole But first, before we get into the nitty gritty of individual instruments, a bit of a time saver.
1: And then the lead vocals, you're doing a little bit of cleaning up, uh, a little bit of enhancing lead vocal effects is, is there's a lot of like enhancing, like almost you wouldn't notice it, you know, directly, but there's, you know, a little bit Mm -hmm. of reverb, which you would notice uh, and then like delays and all that stuff. And then drums, you're really not doing that much. It's mostly clean up. Um, Yeah. And then, uh, and you're losing a lot of presets. You're not like, well, you're not you're using presets and then adjusting them from there. It's like, oh, what is this thing doing? That's what I do a lot as well. It's like, okay, they're saying I should boost this hundred here. Let me really jack it up so I can hear what it's doing. And then I sort of put it into taste. Uh, mm-hmm. and then base, yeah. you don't touch it all. You do direct in, um, yeah. generally, which is, that's good to know because I've put on the amp things and been like, I know I'm supposed to do this, but it's not Yeah, working a
0: little bit of compression little bit of roll off on the lows that that should do it for you yeah
1: and then with uh like electric guitars uh you were doing you said you you weren't doing a lot as well too and that's sort of assuming that they're you know engineered right you're like a big fan of direct direct as i am um
0: yeah man just roll off some low end roll off some top end if it's too fizzy and maybe add a like an analog EQ, don't even do too much with the EQ. It's just having it on there is going to give it a little bit of of love, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, also, too, another thing that you'd mentioned is the uh, you do kind of the thing you do with the vocal to the guitars as well, too. You send them to that, uh, sometimes that eighth note panned wide delay, but just barely, like, have it in there. Uh, That's sometimes nice. And then the background vocals are like you you pretty much copy and paste the same stuff as the other one
0: as the lead yeah once yeah, the lead's and done especially if it's the same singer
1: yeah and then the very yeah. last step i guess is the vocal
0: do you do the vocal writing very last yeah i'll do that yeah. after i've gotten the the instruments it really uh, does where they're gonna be yeah
1: take it to the next level but maybe like I, really maybe does. i shouldn't
0: maybe i should do that first i don't know i don't know
1: i don't know these are things maybe to think about But. The- I Chances mean, it's cool to have the order of priorities. I think it's you know, if you were mixing for ten years, you would have came to this conclusion. It's just because you know, I guess you have been kind of mixing for almost that long, but like, um, it's just good to have a system yeah, no, to have consistency. Not
0: professionally, though, God.
1: Yeah, you, you got to be. You uh, got well. It's true, uh, but yeah. uh, I think that this is a good idea. Like, as soon as I did this approach, because I've just been kind of mixing by my like my my instincts when i first started and did all my film score stuff and it went pretty well but it was long you know mixes would Mm -hmm. take me like nine ten hours uh, Mm -hmm. a song which is stupid um Mm -hmm. but uh as soon as i did this it was it was very consistent you know so it's pretty damn cool i mean
0: mean, there's nothing better than like getting a mix done in you know one or two hours and feeling like it's good yes and there's nothing worse than spending eight hours on a mix and being like I don't know if any of this is good.
1: <laughs> and I don't know if the so, mix at five hours is better than this one at seven hours, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, that's scary. Oh yeah. So yeah. this is a good way so, to avoid that.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, one thing maybe I... I mean, we talked about a lot of plugins and a lot of different treatments, but I think... um I, I do want to take a, a minimalist approach in some ways, and we did touch on this a little bit. But like, if you're really jacking up a ton of one frequency or cutting a ton of one frequency, yeah, you—that's always an indication to me that I'm getting potentially lost. Maybe that's sure. the right move, yeah. but
1: I feel like if it's, it's for like, a okay, creative reason, like oh, I'm going to make this really weird, sound. Yeah, yeah. But if it's if it's like, oh man, this guitar needs to be fuller, I'm just going to fucking yeah boost the low mids like a ton i always find yeah. myself like oh i'm just gonna like really like cut out like three and four k and like you know guitars or some nonsense like that and like i really cut it out and then it's like maybe it does sound good but i'm soloing you know the soloing is the thing to avoid
0: mhm nick's just yeah, talking about just soloing like it's a to, fucking drug try not to get too far away from what you started with in terms of the yeah. initial tracks Right. Like unless there was a really big problem in the recording process of that track, in which case maybe just re-record it. But like, yeah, you know, try not to do too, too much to get away from that, because and that's part of why starting with that rough balance is so good. is because it shows you, OK, this song can sound pretty good even without yes. nothing on it. And it's just how do I how do I take it to that next level without really wrecking anything because it's already we've already got some good parts there
1: and it shows you also what it's like meant to be i feel like if you're getting a rough balance with your guitar and you're like oh i really want it to be full sounding it's like but it's whenever i turn it up to make it full sounding it sounds way too like way too shrill or way too Mm -hmm. thin i'm gonna have to boost a bunch of the cq it's like well either you're gonna have to re-record it to do that or you're gonna have to have it fulfill like a different role you know
0: yeah. yeah and then another thing to um that I'm trying to train myself to do a little bit better, and this sort of touching on what you're saying too is like reach for the fader before you reach for the plugin, yeah, like oh, God, just I'm so guilty. turn it down if it's like, oh, this is too this is hitting me too hard or it's too bright, or it's like just try turning it down a little bit before you open up an eq and start or a compressor messing with the sh- shape and yeah. shape of the sound or the compressor whatever it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just all the vocals not present enough just turn it up a little bit like maybe don't open up your yeah your plugins if, if you can fix it with the fader man like that's ideal and well, I, so think, I think it's always just gonna be better i think so and i yeah. think we're very quick to like well i got all these cool tools i'm just gonna use those it's like yep maybe just and that's where that automation comes as well it's like there's a lot of uh mixers who swear by automation they're like i don't i don't want to use any plugins if i can avoid it i'm just going to automate everything and like that's not how how i've been working but there's some great engineers who just i'd love to know more about
1: what they're saying because a lot of people are like the more movement the better i'm like
0: what movement man like fucking tell me don't just say that yeah yeah it's very cryptic but it's it but when you hear mm. what it can do to a vocal right it makes sense yes. that maybe other instruments would benefit from that too like riding up and down you know a drum fill like going into a chorus or something yep. is, is yep. a easy thing to do there so so you know look for look for ways more ways to use the faders and the and the pan pots because those are your your bread and butter man but or hire anyways,
1: a dope mix engineer
0: Or just hire uh, a up Mix Engineer. So that's our 10-step process and um, a little bit of an update of of how that works. So you can check out all the videos on our YouTube page. Uh, Leave us questions. We'd love to talk about this kind of stuff. We would love to answer your question as the question of the week as well. And if you have a song you want to send to us, send it to us. Do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap here, Mike?
1: Uh... I wanna be a
0: big chip with a small penis is the quote <laughs> of the fucking week. <laughs> Check us out on social media, musicguypodcast.com, YouTube, Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff at Al Rowe music. Michael Hebs is at Bruno the Meek on Instagram yes, and sir. at Michael net. Um and or just come call uh, me with the Whippy. show.
1: I'm so lonely.
0: <laughs> yeah go someone go hang out with them and Whippy. me uh yeah i'll come okay we'll, we'll get a hang going soon yeah we should we i want to do yeah. one of these
1: in person you know just for the, the old I, times i know
0: man just for old times sake
1: yeah
0: um support the show by telling your friends about it and community uh just contacting us send us questions yeah. send, us, send us songs uh comment on stuff all that stuff is super helpful and uh we love you guys thanks for listening see you next week Happy mixing. Happy social distancing. Bye for now. Bye.